0: Let's talk about your periodontally involved patient. The first time you see bone loss on an x-ray, you know that you're dealing with somebody who's either had periodontal disease in the past or has active infection of periodontal disease. And maybe you're looking at the radiographs before you're seeing the patient in the clinical setting. In this episode, we're going to talk about how you tackle the assessment process to meet the needs of your patient. And while you're enrolled in the dental hygiene program, we are specific about allowing you to see patients based on your skill level. When you have your first semester of seeing patients, we do not have you see really advanced patients or patients with advanced disease because you're just not ready. But the question is, when will you be ready? In this episode, we're going to cover the basics of the assessment process when you are seeing one of your first few patients that have active periodontal disease or a history of periodontal infection. So take a listen. Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene, to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome. So glad to have you. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying! When I was a student, we were not allowed to see patients in the clinical setting with periodontal disease until we took the course, periodontology, right? That makes total sense. But when I started my clinical experience after taking that course, the first patient in my chair had advanced periodontal disease. And I'm Remember the feeling of feeling very overwhelmed. And it took me a long time to get through the assessment process. And then when I started scaling, actually got to the part where I was scaling, I think I scaled one tooth. And so I was a little bit defeated, I guess is the best word to describe it. I knew what was going on out in the real world. How are these hygienists doing? All this scaling, half-mouth scaling in an hour or an hour and a half, how, how is that actually happening? And I felt really inadequate. I scaled one tooth in an entire clinic session. What I failed to recognize was all the other things that I accomplished in that clinic session that maybe weren't so tangible, like scaling a tooth. So let's talk about all the parts that go into the assessment phase of treatment and then what you're actually learning when you're seeing a patient who is periodontally involved and the steps that you have to take and also the outcomes. Maybe the outcomes that you hope to achieve are not necessarily the outcomes that are actually achieved. So there's a lot of forks in the road when you're seeing a periodontally involved patient that just don't exist when you're seeing a healthy patient. But these are the patients where we can make the biggest changes with and we can have the biggest impact if we just get our focus off of ourselves and how much we accomplished and we think about how much we have supported the needs of our patient. So let's talk about all of the different aspects in the assessment process that are just a little bit different with our patients who have more pressing needs one of the first things that you could do ahead of time before even seeing your patient, and maybe this is a patient that you're seeing for the first time, so let's disregard looking at previous medical histories and things like that. Let's just start fresh. You've received a full mouth series of x-rays on your patient, so you're taking a look at your radiographs and you're doing a radiographic interpretation on your patient. This tells you history. This tells you what has gone on in this patient's life, right? The, the story that unfolds through the radiographs is pretty significant. So I don't want you to overlook that. Take a look at all of the teeth and the surrounding bone. Is there any horizontal bone loss? Is there any areas where there's vertical bone loss or defects? Are there missing teeth? I wonder what the story is behind those missing teeth. Is there mesial drift? Are there crowding areas? Are there areas that present periodontal challenges for your patient? So of course there's more to look at on the radiographs than just periodontal disease or historical perspective. But what I'm trying to focus on in this episode is specifically periodontal disease. So that's what I want your highlight to be when you're thinking about how you look at the radiographs. So first we're going to look very broadly at the radiographs to just take a general look around for crowding or missing teeth or maybe impacted teeth or maybe any lesions that might be going on around the apices. Next we'll kind of shorten our focus a little bit and we're going to look quadrant by quadrant. We're going to look at the interdental areas. What does the crestal bone look like? Is there any horizontal bone loss? Is there any vertical bone loss? Are there any areas where there might be defects? Think about all of the different things that you learned in your perio course, as well as your radiology course. All of these things tie together. Then when you look at an area where you might see a vertical defect or you might see excessive horizontal bone loss, do you notice or recognize any root concavities on those areas? Are these areas that are more susceptible? Yes, they are. Are there root concavities that you can note on the radiographs? These are things that you can prepare yourself for before your patient is even in your chair. So now let's fast forward. The patient is in your chair and you're starting off with your medical history. You've already done an assessment of your patient when you went out to the reception area to get them. You've sized them up. You've watched their posture, how they interact, what their whole overall look is. How do they present themselves to the world? This is the beginning of your entire assessment. Your assessment starts with your very first moment of interaction with your patient. So now you've taken your patient and they're in the operatory. And you are starting off with your medical history. The medical history helps us really connect the dots between chronic diseases, medical conditions, medications that your patient is taking. What is their overall health status? As you're talking with your patient and interacting with your patient around the medical history, what are their beliefs? And this will help you understand their oral health status so much more As you move ahead, as you get to their dental history, does your patient have any pressing needs? Are they in pain? That is your first line of questioning. Is there any history of problems or dental issues? When was their last visit? How long ago was it? What was done? It helps us to understand many factors related to our patient as we move ahead in the assessment. This starts to paint the picture. So if you're relating the assessment, to a painting, you're starting by doing the little numbers, right? So if you've ever done a color by number or a paint by number, you can't get the entire picture of the patient until you've done all the different numbers that create the image. So starting with that medical history, moving on to the dental history, and then you're going to perform your intra-extraoral exam. Now your extra-oral, intra-oral exam may reveal pathology or connection to some undiagnosed condition. It's a connection point for systemic issues and it should not be overlooked. And sometimes it can reveal systemic issues or chronic illnesses that did not reveal themselves in the medical or dental history. Think about saliva flow, and then the condition of the overall oral mucosa when you're taking a look intraorally. This gives you lots of information. When you perform your gingival assessment next, you're looking at the color, the contour, the consistency, the texture, whether or not there's bleeding or exudate, the location of the gingival margin, and a mucogingival exam to really look at the width of the attachment. Now, when you're doing your gingival assessment and you already know because you've looked at your radiographs that your patient has bone loss, has had a history of periodontal disease, your gingival assessment, it's going to take a little bit longer because you want to be complete in understanding every need of every tooth. Now, the color can be pink or melanin in health, and it can be impacted by the thickness of that epithelium as we know. Remember, you want to be looking at the amount of keratinization that's present, the extent of the connective tissue vascularity, the amount of pigmentation that is present, and you can almost tell if there's a presence of subgingival calculus. As I've said, the tissue tells the story of whether or not there's a connection of your patient having active disease or if there's a presence of infection, right? Marginal gingiva and attached gingiva can really present as different colors due to a lot of these factors. Inflamed tissue can be red or even bluish red. And the color of the tissue during the assessment will really help you make that determination of the presence of disease. Now, I've done an entire podcast episode about the gingival assessment, but looking at it from a lens of periodontal disease, let's just take, um, just go over it a little in this episode. Now, that contour, the shape of the margin in health is knife-edged against the teeth, but inflamed margin present as rolled, rounded, or even retractable if you use your air. The papilla in health is flat against the teeth, and it's oftentimes pointed. An inflamed papilla can be bulbous, blunted, or cratered, or even missing. The consistency in health is firm and resilient, but when there's inflammation present, it can be soft, spongy, or even fibrotic in a chronic state. The texture in health is stippled, right? We like that orange peel effect, but when there is inflammation present, the texture is typically shiny and smooth or there's an absence of that stippled appearance. When there's bleeding present, the succular epithelium is ulcerated, and we know this even though we can't see it. If there's a presence of disease, exudate is typically also present in advanced infections. You can find out if there's exudate by using digital pressure or probing. And the amount of data is not specifically related to the depth of the pocket. So don't overlook this. When we're talking about the gingival margin, in the presence of disease, the gingival margin may move coronal to the CEJ if the tissue is enlarged, or it may move apical to the CEJ, exposing the root surface areas when there's recession present. You have to look at the mucogingival so doing a mucogingival exam measures the adequacy and the amount of attached gingiva that's present. You want to locate those frena attachments and determine if there's any defects present. So when we do a mucogingival exam, we measure the total width of the gingiva, which is the distance from the gingival margin to the mucogingival junction, and then we subtract the depth of the pocket. So if the width of the attached gingiva is 2 millimeters or less, it is considered a watch. If the probe penetrates the mucogingival junction or through the junction, it is considered a defect. When we are looking at our radiographs initially before we even see our patient, we are also looking to see if we see any furcations. Now, furcations are hard to find on x-rays. So when we're looking at our radiographs, Early furcation involvement is not easy to see on a radiograph, so you have to use your probe depths and your root trunks and your instrumentation skills to find and feel those furcations in the early stages. So a grade one furcation, the concavity can be felt with an instrument, but the probe doesn't penetrate any more than one millimeter. This is where your root trunks and your instrumentation skills are so important. And it's also why early diagnosis is difficult. A grade two furcation, the instrument or probe penetrates into the furcation, but it does not pass all the way through. And this is really common in those areas where the root trunks are really short, like three millimeter ones, right? So you should know all of your root trunk lengths in order to, as a clinician, early diagnosis of periodontal disease. On a grade three furcation, the probe will completely pass through the furcation, but it's covered by soft tissues, and these can be visible on an x-ray if you're specifically looking for them. A grade four furcation is really the same as a grade three furcation, only it's exposed, so you can see it clinically when you are looking in the mouth. It's not covered up with tissue. When you have a periodontally involved patient, you want to check mobility. This is an indication of disease. This is just the movement of the tooth. When there's horizontal tooth mobility, the movement is in a facial-lingual direction. I use my fingers, and I place one on the facial and one on the lingual, and I just go across the whole arch and check for mobility. And we classify the mobility based on the amount of movement. And you have zero if it's normal, one if there's a millimeter in a buccal-lingual direction, Two, if it's two millimeters in a buccal-lingual direction. And three, if it's anything greater than two millimeters in a buccal-lingual direction. And then there's vertical tooth mobility. And this is a little bit harder to detect. And this is when there's movement of a tooth in a coronal to apical direction, when you're actually able to depress the tooth vertically. When you exert pressure on the incisal or occlusal surface of the tooth, just keep in mind that the classification of that movement is the same as horizontal. But it's a little harder to find and diagnose. Use your radiographs to help you make that determination looking at the periodontal ligaments. If any of the periodontal ligaments on the radiographs look suspicious to you, check for that vertical tooth mobility. When you are doing your occlusal assessment, think about how that relates to tooth trauma and periodontal disease. Marginal ridge discrepancies, parafunctional habits, what are the contacts like? Is the dentition following proper form and function? What are the embrasures doing? Is there a crossbite? Is there inadvertent occlusal forces being put on a tooth to cause a contributing factor to periodontal disease in that particular region? And then of course we are going to assess our patient's oral hygiene. What is their plaque control? When we disclose that patient, what is their score? Is there light, moderate, or heavy plaque biofilm? What's the calculus like? What type of calculus? What's the location? What's the quantity? When we're looking at the stain, is it light? Is it moderate? Is it heavy? Does it make sense with all the other parts of the assessment that you've already done? When you've completed your entire assessment, you think about what are the needs of this patient, and you're going to customize a treatment plan based on that patient's assessment outcomes. Remember, the patient takes charge of their own self-care. But as a dental provider, you provide the professional care, you perform the care that will meet the needs of that specific patient to help correct the local and systemic factors. So it's multidimensional. It's so much more involved than just scaling a tooth. And when I think back to my time as an early student and the day that I scaled one tooth I overlooked everything else that I just talked to you about in this episode. I did not give myself credit for all of the hard work I did at putting together a complete assessment for my patient so that I could move forward with the proper care. Your patient has lots of hurdles when they have advanced periodontal disease, and we want to make sure that we're putting a care plan together that meets their specific needs. Good preparation before you go to clinic is really important, but making sure that your assessment findings put together an accurate story of where your patient is at so that you can create a response diagnosis to their exact needs in that moment of time that they're sitting in your chair. I hope this episode really helped you recognize that all the things that you've learned so far in your learning is meant to help you put this entire complicated assessment together in a really comprehensive way that helps to meet the needs of your patient, to arrest their infection, and put their periodontal disease in remission where it belongs. As you're working along through the whole process of gathering your information, and now you've crescendoed to the end, and you're about to put your care plan together, Don't overlook those systemic risk factors. Those are those conditions that impact the patient's ability to respond to bacterial infection. And that might be part of the reason or a majority of the reason why they are presenting the way that they are. And also don't overlook the smoking contributing factor. One of the most significant risk factors for the development of periodontal disease is smoking. It contributes to the loss of attachment and recession It's significant in the loss of teeth, the progression of disease, and the difficulty for clinicians to detect early infection. So keep all of that in mind as you move through the process. I've written a poem called Looking at the Gingiva, and I have shared it before on my podcast, but it's so appropriate to share it again in this episode. Let the tissue tell the story and guide you in the right direction of the presence of health disease, or active infection. The size, shape, and color will provide you with a clue. The radiographs and probe depths will help you determine what you need to do. The key is to know how the clinical markers make the connection to help you with your assessment and properly treat those who present with infection. Use your books and lots of pictures to put it all together. Lots of practice and clinical exposure. You'll just get better and better. Beware of the smoker who presents with tissue that is pink. The story told by that tissue is not always what you think. And don't lose sight of why we evaluate the tissue. It helps you gather information and focus your attention on an issue. I would invite you to send me any questions that you need answered. Questions come up when you listen to this podcast. I have a link in the show notes, and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Also, I would appreciate a review if you have time to leave one. Thank you so much.